Hello friends, and welcome to Messages of Revival podcast. This is Basil Howard Brown. I'm a revivalist and have been traveling around the world with my wife Anne for the past 27 years, seeing God's people being set free by His Word and the anointing. The title of this podcast is The New Wine of the Holy Ghost. It's a day of Pentecost experience, being filled with God's Spirit. Allow God to fill you as you listen to this podcast. All right, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 18 says, Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's like God is likening the infilling of the Holy Spirit to being drunk on wine. Because when you look at people that are full of the Holy Ghost, they actually act like drunk people. Hello. Some can't walk properly, some can't stand up straight, some stagger around, fall all over the place. That's what drunk people do in the natural. When you get full of the Holy Ghost, that's what you do. In actual fact, on the day of Pentecost, they were accused of drinking sweet intoxicating wine because they were accusing them of being drunk. So really what's happening today in our midst is what happened on the day of Pentecost. See, if it's good for the day of Pentecost, then it's good for today. Hello. That means the wind of the Spirit of God, that means the fire of God, that means the intoxication of the Holy Ghost. If it's good for the day of Pentecost, then it's good for today. Amen. I remember back in the 90s, you know, when we had people that actually would, would, would carry people out to their cars because they were so drunk they couldn't walk. I remember just about three, four years, five years ago, maybe a little more than that, I'm driving out of the parking lot of a church and I look over and there's a man carrying his wife out to the car. I said to my wife, oh my gosh, she must be drunk in the Holy Ghost, and, and she can't walk. Well, I found out the next night that when he got home, he had to put her on a carpet and drag her around the house, drag her to the restroom, and then drag her off to the bedroom, because she couldn't walk, she was too drunk. Hello. What a way to go. Come to church sober and leave drunk. Amen. And it's, and it's scriptural. It's the new wine of the Holy Ghost. You know, it just means that you're so filled with God that you can't function anymore. It's time that the body of Christ got so full of God that they couldn't function for a little while. Are you listening to me? Amen. Nothing wrong with drinking of the new wine of the Holy Ghost. And, and listen, if you think you're going to get this all at home, it's not happening. Because if it was, you would be. Hello. Somebody said to me one day, well, I need to go to church all the time. You know, I can get God at home. I looked at them and thought, my God, obviously you're not getting him too much. Because look at you and look at your life and look at your lifestyle and look at what you say. Obviously you're not hanging out with God too much. But you see, our lifestyle should, we should be so full of the Holy Ghost that the anointing of God flows from us continually. You know, I came to the realization one day, I had nothing to give. And I, I mean, like growing up in a Christian home, seeing many things happen, going to Bible school for two years, coming out of that, still nothing. Oh, I knew the Word, I know the Word, but 
But listen, there's a lot of people that know the Word, but they'll teach and preach the Word, and it's dead, it's dry. And I realized I had nothing to give. I had nothing in these hands. I have to have something in these hands so when I stretch my hand forth, something flows from the throne room of grace, flows into me and through me, and sets people free. That's what these revival meetings are about. It's about people coming in that might be dry, that might have nothing in their hands to give, but they spend some time on the carpet, they spend some time in the presence of God, and then all of a sudden there's a transformation on the inside of them, and suddenly the vessel has been purified, and God pours His anointing on the inside of them, and suddenly raises them up, and then everywhere they go, signs, wonders, and miracles are going to happen. Are we talking about everybody in the house? God's not singling out, this is not a preacher's message, this is not for preachers only. This Bible that we are using here is not a preacher's edition. It's a believer's edition. It's for those that would believe. I want to see people stirred up. Go lay hands on the sick. Go cast out some devils. Go raise some dead. Go get people saved. It's what the body of Christ, the army of God should be doing. But some people are afraid. Well, what if I want to pray for somebody that don't get healed? Well, what if they do? Hello? Understand something, you're not the healer, but Jesus is. Understand something, that he's paid the price at Calvary. Understand something, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Just because we don't see an immediate, instant miracle, does not mean to say God's not at work doing something. Hello? When I had my eyes prayed for, because I couldn't see without glasses, I couldn't see three rows back, uh, and that was back in the 90s, when I had my eyes prayed for, it took two weeks. Within two weeks, I had perfect eyesight. Still got it. Hello. Still got it. Back in those days, I could not look back and see that there's an officer sitting in the back row there, but I can see him perfectly clear right now. Hello. Are you listening to me? I am seeing right, am I not? Wave your hand, sir. Oh, I was, okay. <laughs> People look back and go, I don't see anybody. What's he talking about? <laughs> Thought he said he could see. <laughs> but God took, it took two weeks and, I, and, I, and the miracle manifest and perfect. Are you listening to me? All we do is do what the Bible tells us to do. Put our faith and trust in God and God takes care of everything. I remember crying out to God for the touch of heaven on my life. And I was, I was desperate. I was desperate for a touch. I shouted at God for 20 minutes in a meeting. And this is what I said. I said, God, I know you can hear me. And I know you're listening to me right now. My brother's on the platform. I said, I want you to tell him to call me out and pray for me that the same anointing on him comes on me. And I shouted that over and over and over and over and over. I said, God, I know you're listening to me right now. Tonight's my night. I'm not going to leave the same way I came. 20, 25 minutes later, my brother gets up, takes the microphone, looks at me, says, Basil, come here. And I'm thinking, what does he want? Doesn't he know I'm praying? And I'm standing in front of him, and he says, God told me to call you out and pray for you that the same anointing on me comes on you. When he did. (laughs) 
Even in my stupidity, God still blessed me. Hello. He prayed for me, power God, knocked me on the floor. And let me tell you what, I didn't get up off that floor for two hours and 45 minutes. I stuck in that place. I couldn't get up. Tried, but couldn't get up. God began to do a transformation on the inside of my heart. And let me tell you what, I'd sat in many meetings already. I'd heard people get up and testify and say, oh, I was stuck on the floor, I was stuck in my seat. And you know what my response to them was? Listen, I wasn't born again yesterday. That's the biggest bunch of baloney I've ever heard. Why would God stick you on the floor? Why would he stick you in the seat? Until he stuck me on the floor, and I'm like, all right, okay, you got my attention. Look, I'm a big boy. If you can put me on the floor and stick me there without sitting on top of me. Now, I don't know if he set an angel on top of me, but I couldn't get off the floor. Are you listening to me? And he got my attention. And that night, God began to do a work on the inside of my heart. But it was just the beginning. See, there was a whole lot more to go. When we came over to America and joined my brother and started traveling with him in America, right in the beginning of January of, of 93, we were in Ketchikan, Alaska. And let me tell you what, that, that was my encounter. That was my road to Damascus experience. That was where my life was changed for eternity. And I always go back to that night because that was the night that God placed a fire within me. He said, everywhere you go, you'd find hungry and thirsty people. He said, when you lay your hands upon those hungry and thirsty people, that same fire would fall upon them. I believe it was the same fire that fell on the day of Pentecost. When my brother prayed for me that night, we were in the middle of worship, quarter past nine in the evening. We, our hands were raised and we were busy worshiping God. People say, how do you know what time it was? Of course, back in those days, I'd watch and pray. You know, watch and pray. And people do that all the time in the meeting. They raise their hand to heaven. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, five past nine. I wonder how long he's going to go for tonight. Jesus, help us, my God. Hello. Pull out the phone quickly. Ooh. And my brother prayed for me. Power God hit me, spun me around, and I fell on my face on the floor. And then I stepped, it was like I stepped out of my body. The Lord showed me an angel in the front of the building and he began to weave his way between the people and he came and stood right above my head and he began to pour. And I can only describe it like this. It looked like oil that you pour in your engine, but it was as thick as honey. I called it a rich golden honey-like substance. He began to pour this into me. I believe what God did that night was a Holy Ghost lube job. I mean, he took out all the stale oil and he put in fresh oil from heaven. He probably figured, listen, I gotta, if I'm going to take care of this boy, I better do everything. Tonight is the night I better just do everything. I'm telling you right now, God took that out. Listen, he took away the fear of man. I was always afraid of what people might think, what they might say about me when I preach and teach. And I'd have people back in South Africa that would get up and maybe leave the meeting because they, you know, got diarrhea or something. They're leaving the meeting. And, and I would be, oh my God, I hope I didn't upset them. I hope I didn't say something that upset them. You know, now people get up and leave and I'm like, okay. It doesn't even cross my mind that I might have upset them. And I might have, but I might have not. Then maybe they have diarrhea. Or maybe they're going, you know, home to go sleep. They're going to work early in the morning or they're going to another job or something. I mean, I don't know what's going on. But here's the thing. See, if I have the fear of man in me, then I'm not going to preach and teach the gospel like I should, I'm going to compromise the word so that it's pleasing to everybody so that nobody gets upset. 
But the problem is this, I can try to please this group of people, and then I upset this group of people. When I try to please this group of people, they upset. So you can't please man all the time. But you can please God. And so I became a God pleaser. Hello. Took away the fear of man. You know, I was on the floor from quarter past nine in the evening. I only got up off the floor at about 1.30 the next day, the next morning. Everybody had gone home. There was a music minister that traveled with us. He was there. There was one other gentleman, and there was a lady sitting in the very back row. I don't even know who the lady was, but she was sitting in the back row. I actually took one look at her, and I just, I just lost it. I mean, joy hit me, and I got so drunk, even more drunker than what I was. Actually, in fact, I laughed so hard that night, I, I actually thought somebody else was laughing. I look around to see who's laughing like that. It's got to be somebody else. It doesn't even sound like me. Hello. I got back to the hotel at 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, I thought, you know, I mean, I'm so drunk anyway, so I figured I'd just go knock on my brother's door, and I go knock on his door at 2 o'clock in the morning. He opened the door, and he said, what happened to you? Well, he shouldn't have said that because I fell on the floor in the, in the corridor of the hotel, drunk in the Holy Ghost. My brother dragged me into his room and sat me up in the chair and he said, calm down, calm down, you know. It's about the only time I've ever seen him tell somebody that's under the Holy Ghost to calm down. But this is about two o'clock in the morning in Ketchikan, Alaska, in probably the only hotel that you could live in. The last thing you want to do is get thrown out of the hotel. Hello. So I'm sitting there about 15, 20 minutes later. He looks over at me and says, so what did God do for you? Why, well, he shouldn't have said that because I slipped out of the seat back on the floor, drunk in the Holy Ghost, pounding on the floor, joy busting out of me. He's, he hushes me down, puts me back up in the chair, says, calm down, you can tell me tomorrow. Mm. Tomorrow comes and I, I remember the morning service. I got in that morning meeting. It's like I was standing in the pocket of the glory of God. Everything around about me was, felt like it was alive. I mean, it was the most amazing feeling. I've never felt that ever. So that night in the meeting, you know, he gets me up to, to share my testimony. Basil, come here and tell the people what God's done for you. It sounds like him, right? Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, moving right along now. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Jesus, help me, please. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah, we are. Where were we? Where, where, where were we? <laughs> we were in the meeting. So, okay, so I'm in the meeting. So, um, whatever the night was, who knows? <laughs> so, 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 anyway, so, all right, man, just calm down. Let me finish the story. So, so some of you are distracting me. Amen. <laughs> Anyway, so, okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me see if I can find my notes over here about my testimony. Oh, I don't have any notes. Oh, Jesus. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. <sighs> okay, so, where were we? Okay, <laughs> so, so listen to me real carefully now while I share this testimony because anyway, so, 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 uh, 
Yes. Isn't this just wonderful? Isn't the Lord good? <laughs> Isn't God good? So, so he... <laughs> oh, I know where I'm at. Hang on there, hang on there. I know where I'm at. So he, he says to me, come, Basil, come up here. <laughs> come up here and come, 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 come share your testimony. Come tell the people what God's done for you. There it is. There it is. So, so, <laughs> so I get up there and, 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 and uh, <laughs> I know what, I know what's going on. Maybe not so much now, but back then I did. But, but let me say this. I, I know what I want to share. I know what happened. I, I, it's all, yeah, I've got it all taken care of. I know exactly what I want to say. I want to say we were worshiping the Lord and, you know, this is what the Lord did. All, all that could come out of me was we, we were, 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 were. That's all that came out of me. And I was like, what is that? That's, that's not even a sentence. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, <laughs> and that's not a sentence either. Amen. <laughs> so, Jesus, help me, please. So, <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my thoughts were <laughs> that 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 wasn't. I mean, that's not that's not what I want to tell the people. You know, I have a whole thing. My test me. I've worked out. So I tried again. I go, we, we were, 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 were. And I'm like, what was that? So my brother, he leans over to me, gets right in my ear and he says, Basil, try and tell the people what God did for you. So I looked at him and I leaned over and got in his ear and I said, I am trying. This is me trying. I mean, the last thing I want to do is get up in front of people that I don't know, even that people that I know, and go, we were, 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 were. What a testimony. Praise God. You were what? See, and, and listen, it's, it's easy to sit out there. And, oh, yeah, praise Jesus. I can share my testimony. I've seen hundreds of people come up, get up to the microphone, ready to go, and next thing, it all just break down. Because it's almost like your head won't connect with your mouth. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Three of you. Same three people I've got to pray for. <sighs> oh, hallelujah. So I'd go back to, <laughs> I'd go back to 93. Let me tell you what, that, that year God totally transformed my life. I spent many, many hours on carpets all over the nation. I spent hours on the carpet right here in Calvary Cathedral in the old building. He got me up to testify. And I, I said, we will, we will, we will. In actual fact, there were times where he would call me up to testify, and I'd say, man, why don't you share my testimony? 
because you do a better job than me. the glory of God's all over the house. Fire of God's all over the house. Power of God's already touching people. We haven't even got to lay hands on people yet. God's already touching people right in their seats. All, all it is is people are hungry for the touch of heaven. That's what it is. People are hungry for the touch of heaven. You know, this is not your typical Wednesday night meeting. It's not your typical Sunday morning meeting. It's definitely not your typical Sunday night meeting. Because if it was, then we would advertise it as the same old, same old. But this is revival. This is revival. People are being revived, healed, delivered, and set free. This is what revival does. Go study past revivals. Go study them. You can pull them up on the internet. There's videos out there you can watch. Let me tell you what. You will be amazed at what God did in past revivals. Just as He's doing in these meetings we're having right now. God's reviving the church. He's setting us free. Why do we want to be bound? Why do we want religion? Why would we want tradition? Why would we want man's idea of what church should be? Why don't we just get connected with God and then let Him show up and let Him, let him just cause havoc? Don't you, think, don't you think the day of Pentecost was a little crazy? Mighty rushing wind and fire and everybody's speaking a strange language and everybody gets full of the Holy Ghost and then they hit the streets and they, they were said, you're sweet, you're drunk on sweet, <laughs> on sweet, <laughs> you're drunk on sweet intoxicating wine. And it was the coming of the Holy Spirit. Maybe he could have showed up a little more religiously. Maybe knocked on the door. Told the disciples, I am the Holy Spirit. Maybe we could have understood that. But that's not the way God does things. And that's not the way he moves. In actual fact, let me tell you what. If God shows up in the house, something's going to move. Something's going to give way. You'll know, you'll know that God's in the house. If this was a dead meeting, we could not stand up and say God's in the house. Because He wasn't. Because if it was, something would be happening. Something's happening. If you don't know Jesus and need to rededicate your life right now, pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess right now that Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, take out the hardened heart, and give me a heart of flesh. Change me, Lord. Let me never be the same again. I repent and turn from my ways. I make you Lord of my life right now. 
Use me, Lord, in these days we are in. I am ready for your coming and always will be. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul and setting me free. Amen. Now, if you pray this prayer, I would love to hear from you. So please email me at revivalpodcasthb at gmail.com. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Messages of Revival Podcast. For more, subscribe to Messages of Revival Podcast on Anchor, Google Podcast, and iTunes. And share this podcast with somebody that needs to be uplifted and blessed. God bless you.